Good morning. I'm going to be uh, beginning a new series called The Greatest of All Time. And uh, we're going to be looking at Jesus Christ and comparing him to all other human beings. And the goal of the, the series is really to encourage you, to stir your heart, to see the excellence and greatness of Christ, to want to imitate him in all things, so that you can be transformed into the image of God that God created you to be. And so it's fitting to start with uh, the teachings of Jesus. And we're going to read from Matthew 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And it, uh, it says this, Therefore, and this is Jesus speaking, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. The series is called The Greatest of All Time, and that is who Jesus is. That is who he claimed to be. That is what he demonstrates in his life. There's no one who can compare to him. And that's why the people were amazed at him, because he taught as one who had authority, and he does. He is the rock. His teachings are the only thing that we can build our lives on, in which the storms and the trials and the troubles of life come and it won't fall. Our identities, our families, our marriages, our businesses, we have to build our lives on Christ. And if we look to any other man or any other woman to be our rock, to be our teacher, to be our master teacher, if we become their disciples and we build our lives on their examples. We're building our lives on sinking sand. I saw this. I saw this uh, <clears throat> reality uh, many years ago. I was teaching an economics class and I asked my students to write on the board the people they thought were the greatest of all time. The greatest people of all time. They wrote lots of names on the board and uh, some of the people I knew, some of them I didn't know. One of the names that they did not write was Jesus because they didn't think Jesus was great. Maybe they thought he was nice. Maybe they thought he was was God and he died for our sins, but he wasn't smart. He wasn't competent. He wasn't awesome. He wasn't somebody you wanted to be like, imitate. That wasn't what Jesus was all about, apparently to them. And in this series, what we want to do is we want to see the truth about Christ. You see, because all of us are searching for greatness, and that's because all of us were created in the image of God. But that image has been defaced. It's been shattered by sin. And we don't really know what the image of God is supposed to look like anymore. We don't know what it looks like to be truly human as God intended. And so we're looking around for someone, anyone who can show us. We're looking for somebody who has the whole package or half the package or the, the bubble wrap right there in the package. Just someone who can teach us how to be successful and how to be capable, and who can model for us how to live the best life. We're looking for greatness. We're looking for someone who is the greatest of all time. In sports, we call these people the GOAT. The GOAT, the greatest of all time, G-O-A-T. I remember Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was asked. He's a basketball player. Kareem, who's the greatest basketball player of all time? And he didn't hesitate. He said, the GOAT, Earl the GOAT Mandigault. And I didn't know who that guy was, but he called him the GOAT, the greatest of all time. He was the best that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had ever played. And apparently he was a, a basketball player, a pickup basketball player in New York, Never made it to the NBA because of uh, personal problems, but according to Kareem, he was the he was the best. 
And when we have people who are really good at things in any part of life, you know, marriage and family and, and kids and, and with money and, and, and beauty and you pick it. If we have people that we admire and respect and we want to become, and we imitate them. And we drink down their teachings. We like and follow and subscribe. We watch their YouTube videos. We listen to their podcasts. We buy their books. We take their courses. We drink in all that they're saying and doing because in them we see things that we want to be true for ourselves. And that's called being discipled. That's discipleship. That's what we're called to do with Jesus. You see, it's not a question of whether or not you're going to build your house. You're going to build your house. The question is, are you going to build it on the rock or are you going to build it on the sand? You're going to build an identity. It's either going to be built on Christ or on sinking sand, on someone else. And so the question isn't, are you a disciple or are you not a disciple? The question is, whose disciple are you? And the disciple that we should be is the disciple of Jesus. Because he alone can teach us how to live the abundant life, the eternal life. There's no one who can compare to Christ. There's no one in history like him that can even rival him. The book that this series is based on is called The Person of Christ. That's, it's a book that was written in 1880. It's a really great book. I've read it uh, multiple times. It really encourages me. It's all about the humanity of Christ. In fact, the writer of the book, Philip Schaff, uh, S-C-H-A-F-F, the writer of the book, he insists that the greatest evidence of Jesus' divinity is his perfection in his humanity. He is such a perfect human being that this could only be explained by his divinity. And then he goes throughout the book showing us, in comparison to every other great man who's ever lived, that Christ far exceeds them all. And all the virtues that every man and woman aspire to. And it's very encouraging. But he has a summary. He compares Jesus to some of the greatest people in history. And in the end, his conclusion is, Jesus is the greatest of all time. And I'd like to read to you a passage from his book. And I'd encourage you to buy it. You can get it on Kindle. It's very cheap. It's called The Person of Christ by Philip Schaff. And in the book, here's what he says. He says, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, without money and arms, he conquered more millions than Alexander, Caesar, Mohammed, and Napoleon. Without science or advanced degrees, he shed more light on things human and divine than all the philosophers, all the psychologists, all the scientists, and all the scholars combined. Without eloquence, of schooled communicators, he spoke such words of life as were never spoken before or since, and he produced effects in men which lie beyond the reach of orators and poets. Nobody can change people like Jesus has changed people. Without writing a single line, right? He never wrote a book, he never wrote a poem, he was never, you know, didn't have a podcast, he wasn't on Twitter. Without writing a single line, he, Jesus, has set more pens in motion and furnished themes. For more sermons and orations, lectures and books, courses, works of art, and songs than the whole of all the great men in the ancient and modern world. He was born in the lowest place, a manger. He died in the lowest place, crucified with criminals. And yet today, he controls the destinies of the civilized world. And he rules an empire which embraces two-thirds of the inhabitants of the globe. Now think about that. All of that is true about this man, Jesus, this carpenter's son, this man who lived 2,000 years ago in Galilee, in an obscure part of the Roman Empire. How could someone like that do all of this? Because he and he alone is the greatest of all time. 
And that's what we're going to be looking at in this series. That's what we want to magnify. That's what we want to peer into. That's what we want to set our hearts on. Because if we see Christ for who he is, we will want, God will create in us a desire to be like him. And he will help us be like him. So that we can experience the abundant life that God desires. And what's so sad is what I saw on that whiteboard. Despite the greatness of Jesus, millions of people around the world are looking to anyone, someone else, as their example, other than Christ. And why is that? Why, having this Jesus as our great exemplar, as the greatest of all time, why are people chasing after other teachers? Why are they building their houses on the sand? One of the reasons why is because we have shortened the gospel. We've truncated the gospel. When young men and young women especially come to the church and they hear the good news of Jesus, what they hear is, you're a sinner and when you die, you're going to hell. But if you believe in Jesus, you'll go to heaven. And that's true. If you give your life to Christ, if you accept his substitute for your death, you are forgiven for your sins and you will not spend eternity in hell. You will spend eternity with God. And that's great. That's glorious. He justifies us. That's justification. We've been declared uh, innocent of our crimes against God. But that's not the full gospel. He doesn't just justify us. He's not just our priest who takes away our sin through his death. He also sanctifies us. He transforms us. He makes us like himself. He teaches us how to live. He's our example. He's our prophet. Jesus is a priest, a prophet, and a king. He shows us how to overcome all of our enemies. God didn't just save us to remove our sin, but he saved us to transform us into glory. To restore the image of God in us. That's the whole gospel. And that's what people want. People want glory. They want to be great. They want to be competent. They want to reach their full potential. They just don't know what that means, what it looks like. They don't have the right image in their mind. Jesus is that image, but they want it. And God never rebukes us for that. In fact, that's what God wants too. God wants to transform you into the character of Christ so that you can be glorified with Christ. That's what he says over and over in the scriptures. But when we shorten the gospel, is it any wonder that people look elsewhere to learn how to be competent, to learn how to be good, to learn how to be excellent? They don't look to Christ. They look to someone else. But listen to what it says in Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30. For those he foreknew, he also predestined. This is God. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Why did he predestine us? Why did God choose us to be his children before the creation of the world? Why did he do that? So that we would be conformed to the image of his son. We're supposed to become like Jesus in his life, in the way that he lives, in his moral qualities, in his character. And then it goes on to say, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called And those he called, he justified. He took away their sins. That's what we were talking about. That is the gospel. He took away our sins. And those he justified, he also glorified. God is glorifying. He is completing the transforming work. He is restoring the glory of the image of God in us as we follow the example of Christ, who is the greatest of all time. This is what people want. They want this image restored in them. They want to be great. But if all of Jesus is, if he's just a get out of hell free card, if we only need Jesus to get out of hell and into heaven to remove our sins, but he's not our example, he's not our prophet, he can't show us how to truly be human and how to live the fullest life. That's not who he is. Are we surprised when especially young men have nothing to do with the church? 
when they look to other men for their example, and they do, all around us, we see people looking to other men and other women to give them direction and guidance to be discipled by these people. For example, there are many, many self-help gurus out there today, like Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, Jocko Willink, Tony Robinson telling you to find the giant within. All of these men have millions of followers on YouTube. People buy their books, they go to their conferences, they drink down their teachings. And why? Why are so many, especially young men, attracted to these guys? These guys are atheists. They're evolutionary psychologists. These guys are teaching people to find the strength in themselves. They're telling, they're telling young men all sorts of things that are just flat out false. They're showing young men how to build on sand. But why are young men so attracted to it? And the answer is, is because they're also preaching. They're also preaching a system of virtue, of ethics. They're talking about how to be responsible, how to be competent, how to be strong, how to be effective. They're talking about how to set goals and achieve them. And Jesus doesn't have anything to say about that, right? Jesus has nothing to say about that. Jesus is just the one who gets me out of hell when I die and into heaven. He has nothing to say about life. He's not my moral example. And so they're looking to these men. And we see it all across our culture. Top celebrities with their hundreds of millions of followers sharing their perspectives on all of life. Guys like The Rock, the Kardashians, the Jenners, Taylor Swift, Nicki Minaj, they have hundreds of millions of followers. People listening and watching and subscribing and liking. And we're not just looking at their talent. We're not just learning their techniques. We're also hearing their philosophy on life. And this is the danger. When you decide to make anyone else your master teacher, when you build your life on anyone else's instruction, when you look to someone else other than Jesus on how to gain status, on how to be beautiful, how to be a parent, Right? How to live healthy and holistically. When you listen to other people about how to get in shape and attract the opposite sex, because you know Jesus can't t- teach me anything about that. When you listen to them, there's actually a whole bunch of other things that you're getting with the teaching. And I've experienced this in my life. When I was 19, my life, which was built on sand, collapsed. I had built my life on all the wrong things. I had listened to all the wrong voices. I had chased after all the wrong things and my life had collapsed. And I cried out to God to save me and help me. And he did. But one of the things I realized as I look back is that when I was learning their techniques, when I was admiring their talent, I was also getting malware, spiritual malware. You familiar with malware? You have a phone, right? You go onto a website or an app but it also downloads a bunch of viruses and it destroys your phone, but you don't know that's happening. Well, that's what's happening oftentimes when you listen to secular teachers, heroes, great men and women who are not building their lives on the teachings of Jesus, but on something else. Is They're also teaching you about their gods. They're also teaching you how to worship. They're teaching you about their gods and their worship, and oftentimes their gods and their worship are the gods of the system. They're sex, money, and power. And their messages are subtle, but it's follow your heart, not follow God. Believe in yourself, not draw on the resources of God, right? You make up your own rules. You live by your own standard. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. These are messages that we get, that we pick up. And as we begin to live them out in our lives, it brings all sorts of problems, just like malware. And another problem is that these people are high in talent, but they're also low in character, right? They have great talent. But what about their character? And oftentimes you can't see their character because you don't know who they are. You don't know who they really are. And character always wins. Character always wins. It always always wins. Talent and skill cannot overcome sin and broken character. 
And so you have these heroes, these major figures that everybody loves and adores, and they come crashing down because they lack talent? No. Because they lack technique and skill? No. It's because their character is deficient. So you have guys like Lance Armstrong, Andrew Cuomo, Tiger Woods. How many Hollywood celebrities who are full of talent have ended their lives prematurely through drugs and alcohol? Is it because they weren't smart? Is it because they didn't have skills? Because they weren't? No, it's because they lacked the character. And so as we hitch our wagons to these people and we follow their example, oftentimes we're getting more than we bargained for. And even the best, even those who don't crash and burn, are, are a mixed bag, right? They are, at best, broken fragments of the ideal human being. They have strengths, but also the corresponding weaknesses, right? They have virtues, but also the corresponding vices. So they can be bold, right, and strong, but they're also bullies. They can be driven, and we admire their driven nature, but they're also domineering. And they can also be one-sided. They tend to build up one part of their life while they tear down another part. They have great careers, but there's chaos at home, right? They're confident and beautiful on the outside, but they're terrified and broken on the inside. What we need is someone to imitate who's not just great in one area. What we need is someone who's great in every area. Someone who has it all, the whole package. Not just one or two of the virtues, but all of them. We don't need a superman to follow, but we do need a complete man to follow. A whole person, the whole package, and that is Jesus. While all other men have some of the virtues that we want, some of the graces that we want, Jesus exhausts the list. When we look at Jesus, we find no excess, no shortcomings. He never lost balance. He never needed correction. He alone is perfect. He alone perfectly harmonizes all the virtues that mankind aspires to. He has them all in perfect integration. And we're going to see this as we explore him in this series. And Jesus alone can teach us how to be like him. He can give us his character, his virtue. So let's, let's look at some of the examples of this greatness of Jesus. I've been saying Jesus is the greatest, Jesus is the greatest. Well, what exactly am I talking about? Well, let's look at Jesus' exhaustion and perfect harmonization of all the virtues and graces. First, Jesus is the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is bold and strong. And how many of us want to be bold and strong? But he's also humble and patient. And he perfectly combines these things. And as you walk with him and listen to him and you watch him and you study him and you make him your master teacher and you become his disciple as you read through the first four gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see the life of Christ, you see his boldness and his strength always at the appropriate time, but also humble and patient. He's confident and assertive, yet he's approachable and gentle. Some of us are approachable and very gentle, but we're not very confident or assertive. Or you have people who are super confident and assertive, but they're not approachable and they're not gentle. But Jesus is the perfect harmonization of both. And he can teach you how to be that way. He combines fearless courage with wise caution. He's rightly called the Lamb because he is completely holy, devoted to God fully, completely separated from sin, but he's also merciful and loving. He doesn't separate himself from people because of his holiness. He draws near to them in love. He has holiness and love in perfect integration. And he can teach you how to be devoted to God, separate from sin, but also loving and merciful to your spouse, to your kids, to your coworkers, to your neighbors, to your family. He can make you that way. He's also the dove. 
And we'll see that in our third message. He is full of peace and hope. He has emotional stability. He has peace, hope, contentment. He's full of it. You always see him in peace and with hope and with contentment. And yet he was extremely acquainted with sorrow, disappointment, and loss. He knows loss. He knows sorrow. He knows disappointment. And yet it never overcame. It never kept him from enjoying the peace and hope and contentment that we all want to have. And he can teach you how to live this way as well. There's no one like Jesus. There's no one who can compare to him in his perfection and excellence. How is it that the same hands that touched the leper and hugged the children, remember he hugged the children, those hands drove the money changers out of the temple? How is it that the same mouth that pronounced those terrible woes on the leaders of Israel was the mouth that pardoned the adulterous woman and prayed for his murderers as they nailed his hands to the cross? The same person is both of those things. No wonder God the Father said, of Jesus. This is my son. Listen to him. And that's what Jesus said. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice and builds their life on a rock, they will not fall. And so we must follow Jesus. And you might think to yourself, well, I can't become like him because, you know, he's God. He's perfect. I, I can't be like him in that way. Well, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that he became like us so that we could become like him. He, he doesn't just die for our sin, which he does, but he also lived the life we should have lived. He shows us how to live as full human beings. He's our example, and he wants you to share in his virtue and quality so that the blessing and promises of God can flow into your life. Listen to what it says in the Bible, Second Peter chapter 1. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. What that means is that God has given you everything necessary to be godly, God-like, Christ-like, through the knowledge of him who calls us to his own glory and excellence. As we get to know Jesus, as we see his glory and his excellence, as we study his life the way we're doing this morning, and we see how amazing he is, this is how God transforms us into Christ-likeness. And then it goes on to say, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. God wants you to partake of his divine nature. He wants to make you like Christ. All of these wonderful qualities we just looked at, God wants to grow those in you. He wants you to share those with Christ. And then it goes on to say, Therefore, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And then it goes on a list of virtues, and it says, if you do this, if you keep growing in these virtues, then you will be fruitful and effective. So, do you want to be fruitful and effective? Do you want to share in this divine nature? Do you believe that God can transform you in this way and make you like Christ? Do you see the greatness in Christ? Do you want to be like Christ, learn from Christ? Then ask him. Talk to him. Tell him, Lord, I see your glory. I see how great you are. I see that you have these perfect combinations of qualities. And I I may have one or two or I lack. Please help me. Transform me. Show me what I must do. Talk to him. Because he is with you if you are his follower. Yeah, but I can't. Jesus is still, you know, he he was born this way. He doesn't. He didn't have to become 
good and virtuous like us. You know, he, he doesn't know what it's like to struggle to, to become a better person. You know, he was born a 10 out of 10 on all these virtues. He's not like me. I can't relate to him. You may feel that way. You may think that. That's very common thought. But that's not what the Bible says. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 2. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist. That's God. It was fitting that God, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus is the founder of our salvation. And he was made perfect through suffering. What that means is he was completed. These qualities grew in him over his life as he trusted and obeyed God. He wasn't born a 10 out of 10 in all these virtues. He grew and completed in them through the things he suffered. And he knows what it looks like to do that. He's like you. He, he knows what it's like to have to grow in these things. And he can help you grow in these things. And how did he do it? If he's like me, then how did he do it the way I would do it? Well, he had to rely on God, just like we do. He studied and memorized the word of God. When he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he didn't say, I'm God, get out of here. But instead, he used the word of God as his weapon, just like we do, right? He was led by the Spirit. He was led by the same Holy Spirit that is in us. It says the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And he followed, he obeyed. Jesus submitted to the Holy Spirit, and we must submit to the Holy Spirit. And when we do, we can become and transform into what Christ is. He prayed, we have to pray. He worshiped weekly with God's people, just like we do. He relied on the resources that God provided, just like we must. And he did all of these things before his first day of public ministry. Jesus walked in this way all the way up to his 30th birthday and then on into his public ministry. And so he can teach you, he can transform you, he can show you how to become like him. There are millions of young men and millions of young women who feel stuck in life. They don't know what it means to be a man, they don't know what it means to be a woman, and they feel frustrated, and they feel like their life is slipping by, and they don't feel like they're, they're reaching their potential, and they don't know how to, how to get traction. They need an example, they need a model, but all the celebrities and all the heroes and all the greats of this world, they're, they're incomplete, they're lacking. But not Jesus. Jesus is the greatest of all time. And he can teach you how to be a man, how to truly be a woman, how to truly be a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a boss, a brother or sister. He can show you how to become what God intended you to be. This is what God wants. He wants you to share in the divine nature. You may also feel like, well... That may all be true, and I want to be great, and I, I want to be transformed. I want my character transformed. I want to become like Christ in these ways. But I just really struggle with sin. I have a lot of temptation. There's a lot of baggage in my life. And, you know, it was easier for Jesus. You know, he was God. He didn't have any sins. So he just wasn't weighed down by what I'm weighed down by. But that's not true. That's not what the Bible says. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 2. Since, therefore, the children shared in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing. Since we had bodies, he partook of the same thing. He had a body. Since we are human, he was made human. It says, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. He was made like you and I in every respect. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus can help you when you're being tempted. He can help you overcome temptation. He was tempted in the wilderness. He was tempted through his life. He has suffered temptations in every category that you do, yet he overcame them. 
with the resources that God has given you. By the same Spirit, by the same Word of God, by prayer, by the body, He came, He overcame these things. And He can help you overcome these things because He knows what it's like to be tempted. He is totally human. Not partially human, totally human. He was born of a woman, just like we all are. He was persecuted. He's a part of oppressed people, the Jewish race. He was subject to racism. He worked a job. He was a carpenter. He had, he had calluses on his hands. He knew what it was like to get ripped off, to get up early and to go to bed late, to be exhausted. He had a small business. He had to provide for his family. He got sick. He was betrayed. He was slandered. He was attacked. He was hungry. He was cold. He, he was alone. Right? He, he knows what it's like to weep. He knows what it's like to be angry. He was a man of sorrow and familiar with grief. He didn't live on a mountain like a monk, separated from the mess of this world, but he is found interacting with every slice of society, with the Greeks, with the Romans, with the Jews. He hung out with the rich and the poor, with the young and the old, the sick and the healthy, men and women. He played with children. He enjoyed the simple joys in life. He knows what it's like to be single. And he knows what it's like to be married. Married in an unfaithful marriage. The church is called the bride of Christ. And Jesus knows what it's like to have a bride that's unfaithful to him. That keeps turning away to other gods. He is like you in every respect. He was suffered when tempted, just like you. But he overcame it. And he alone can show you how to overcome it. And we need him now. We need him to help us in our lives. We need to build our lives and our marriages and our homes and our schools and our church and our city on the rock. That's what we need. Because Jesus is the greatest of all time. He has all of it. He's the whole package. And yet he is fully 100% man. Yes, he is God, but he is also man, just like us. He suffered what we suffered, and he understands and can help you. And yet, he is the perfect man, the image of God before us, so that we can become like him and experience the blessing and glorify God and experience the great things that God wants to give us. And so, what should we do to respond? Something I think you should do is consider who is the goat in your life. Who are you trusting in? Whose voice are you listening to? Who are you patterning or imitating after? Are you building your life on sand? What would your husband say? What would your wife say? Who would they say the goat is in your life? Who would your friends say? Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Somebody asks you to write that question on the whiteboard. You go up there and write the name of Jesus Christ because he is the greatest of all time and build your life on him, on his teachings. Spend time this week with Jesus, in the word, in the gospel, listening to him, trying to understand who he is, see him for who he is. You may want to read the book that this is based on, uh, The Person of Christ by Philip Schaff. And if you're here and you have not yet decided to follow Christ, don't wait. I built my life on the sand. And when I was 19, it all came crashing down. It was all burning around me. And there was nobody I could call to except for Jesus. And I did. And I asked him to come in my life and not just forgive me for my sin, but rebuild me from the ground up. Rebuild the mess that I had made. And he did. He is faithful to me. 
He's loved me and helped me, and I am not perfect, but he has been transforming me from one degree of glory to another, and he will do that for you. But you have to receive him as your master teacher. You have to become his disciple, and you do that by simply receiving what God has given. God has given you his son, Jesus, and you say, yes, I receive Christ. He is now my king and Lord. I accept his death as my death, and I want to live my life as he lived his life. He will be my king, and I will obey his commands. And that is how you enter into the kingdom of God. And if you want to do that, I encourage you to do that. And let us know so we can help you and pray with you as you take your first steps as a new child of God. Finally, that there are some next steps you can take. You could join a group that are getting started here at Church in the Valley by letting us know which group you want on the digital connection card. Uh, you could also attend a starting line dinner, which is going to be happening in just a couple of weeks to find out how you can get more plugged into Church in the Valley. It's a great opportunity. So if you're new, if you've been coming around Church in the Valley, I would encourage you to go to the starting line dinner so we can help you get more involved in what's going on here. And finally, I want to encourage you to come back each week and meet with us in worship in uh, uh, Celebration Park. Uh, or uh, you can also uh, just watch online. But, but come back each week as we look at the different characteristics of Jesus Christ so that we can see that he is the greatest of all time. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look at your son. And God, I pray that you would just open our hearts and eyes to see the glory of Christ, to see his excellence, to see that there's no one who compares to him, that you'd make us want to be like him, that you draw our hearts to him, to trust him, to call upon him. Father, please help us. Lord, please help us with our temptation. You've sent your son who knows exactly what it's like to be tempted and overcome it. Thank you for that. And Lord Jesus, we invite you to speak to us, to teach us, to guide us, to help us so that we can become more and more like you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.